wobble more than I did now when I didn't want to smoke. Um, my name's Bill, and I'm a real alcoholic. Well, I have a disease called alcohol. Chronic, progressive, flavor. Thank the readers. They did a fine job. Uh, I live in Cleves, so I, I drove over to the airport and waited three hours for Denny to pick me up. <laughs> he, he didn't show, so I, I come on over here. Oh, okay, go on airport. Excuse me. Don't speak when I'm talking. Ever. I thought we had that straight, man. Um, I had to smack him once. You ought to see that. His, his eyes got little and mean. His face turned red and the cord stood out in his neck. But he didn't know when. He didn't, if he hit me, what's he get? No prestige at all. I'm an old guy, you know. But what if he loses? <laughs> For you new people, if the world sucks, you gotta let it. Because if it don't, you'll fall off. It's right out into space, man. That's because you didn't tell any jokes. I thought I'd throw that shit in there, man. <laughs> Oh, well. Life in the big city. It's a nice looking group out there this morning. And I hope I say something that helps you stay in unconscious. This is God's message and my story. Now, I'm a little off the wall. And I don't know if it's because of the people I sponsor. Uh, it's like that in the first place. I've got some weird people to sponsor, man. They know it. I remember when I first came to Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, they told me I had to get sponsored, and nobody wanted to sponsor me. I've been sober 51 years, so. Back then, it was a matter of prestige. If the person you sponsored got drunk, it was your fault. And everybody knew I was going to get drunk again. I had a bad attitude. It started when I was born. Well, I'll explain that a little bit. Uh, first time I ran away from home, I was three years old. My mother wouldn't mind me. She packed a bag, a little suitcase, and put a sandwich in a brown paper bag, peanut butter, and jelly. And she said something I really hated. She cut it in half. Damn, I hated that. I had the sandwich, two halves of sandwich. I wanted the whole thing to put it in I went about three doors down from the house. There was a cooker store on the corner. I went around the corner. I didn't cross the street because I wasn't allowed. <laughs> they had a little, little ledge there, and I sat on that ledge and cried. I cried a lot when I was a kid. I was very sensitive. Uh, and um, She was in touch with the, with the people that ran the store, so they back and forth and called her once in a while. Let her know I was still out there and not hurt or anything. Now, she was not going to come and get me because she's as bad as I was. She waited until my dad came home and she sent him after me. Well, I was glad to see him. I didn't eat that sandwich either. Anyway, I had a bad idea. I was expelled from sophomore as a sophomore in high school for being insolent and thorough and a whole a bunch of other adjectives and shaving my head. Now, that's in 1942. People, people didn't do that stuff. Got to clean that shit. 
No, you didn't do that for the They do it now, you know, like we all know things. Oh, okay, leave the rest. <laughs> Okay. First time I got drunk, I was two years old. But that's not the first time I was high. Back in 1927, they had a habit of feeding the kids paragoric opium and alcohol. When they cried, I cried a lot. Well, I told you I was a sensitive kid. They, uh, uh, they put it in my milk. When you cut your teeth, it did. And I, uh, I had another habit. I went to bed a lot. Matter of fact, I went to bed until I come to Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> Anytime I went to sleep, I went to bed. Or your couch or whatever else, wherever I went to sleep at. Anyway, then my uncle, they had a party at the house. They did every every Friday night, every Friday or Saturday. But they had a party at the house. My dad made it homebrew, and my uncles would bring whiskey. And they brought some girls that thought it would be funny to feed a two-year-old uh, bootleg whiskey and, and uh, whatever they put in it. All they had then was real coke, you know. Anyway, they, uh, I got fallen down carpet eating drunk at the age of two. My mother threw them out of the house. I never did get sober. <laughs> the time I was nine, I was stealing wine in Kroger store. I had card blind in the neighborhood at all the places that sold alcohol. Um, we had five saloons in a one block area. My uncles and my dad and uh, my caddy master all took me around to these places and told them about if I wanted to, if I came in to buy alcohol, I was buying it from them. And I had a couple old ladies that drank wine. I, I went to the store for them. And I stole off all of them. That was my other habit. Well, I was a liar, cheat, thief, pervert, gambler. I didn't know I had all those things. See, I heard, I heard a lead here this this podium with, uh, gentleman who's a circuit speaker said that uh, if drinking's your problem, you're not an alcoholic. Well, hell, if I hadn't had that drinking problem, I'd have never come to alcoholics. And then I would have found out about all that other stuff that was wrong with me. And I was amazed. I didn't, I didn't know I had all the problems. I was very angry. Very angry child. I found if you could get angry enough... You didn't have to feel anything else. Just be angry. But it made you hate me. Anyway, where was I? Two years ago, I was oh, in the stores. I could buy, I could buy alcohol, so I bought alcohol. Anytime I had money, I bought alcohol. Uh, also, I started smoking when I was five. It was a thing to do. Everybody else had five smokes. And a neighbor down the street that uh, his wife used to roll big bowls of cigarettes for him. Uh, everybody rolled their own back then. Even those, even those that ate that uh, well, cigarettes didn't cost that much. You buy a pack of cigarettes for seven cents, you know, like gasoline for eleven, twenty-one beers for a dollar. But the average pay in the United States at that time was like $3,200. So a dollar went a long way. About a big box of candy, a big bag of candy for three cents. Uh, you had to pay $10 for that today. I couldn't afford to drink today. I was in a grocery store. The guy came in and bought a pack of cigarettes and a quart of beer. It was $5.70 for the whole.
You had your jug. I run. I run the jug for the old man. So I drank. I drank foam for a long time. <laughs> one, of them, one of them cans with two, with two handles on it, and uh, it was two blocks from the store. And he used to send me up to get his beer, and they fill that can for a nickel, half gallon, and then I would suck the foam off of it on the way back. And sometimes I would drink some of his beer too. So I had I had this access to alcohol. As a matter of fact, I could drink in the saloons when I was twelve, as long as I stayed in the back and didn't come up front. I'm twelve years old, about twelve and a half, I guess. The first time the police brought me home at three o'clock in the morning with a bubble, and uh, sit out in front of the house until all the neighbors woke up. Trying to embarrass me, or to embarrass my mother, and uh, I can remember her. That was on a Saturday night. Well, Sunday I I went to church, and uh, when I come home from church, my mother's sitting in, in, the, in the window upstairs, so all the neighbors can see her crying. And uh, it was horrible. I, you know, I, I really didn't want to do that to my mother. I didn't want to do that to anybody. I heard a lot of people. Drinking. So I went upstairs and I knelt down alongside of her. I promised her I'd never be like my dad. My dad was an alcoholic, and I have no problem with that at all. I, he was an alcoholic. Uh, I was ashamed of my dad when I was a kid. And I reached the point where, as bad as he was, he was ashamed of me. Anyway, I knelt down alongside of her, and I told her I'd never be like my dad. I'd never drink again. That's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. At 5.30, I'm back in the saloon. So it didn't last very long. That's the first time I remember seriously quitting. No, it was the second time. I passed out on, on Judge Woods' uh, front lawn one time. I think I was, maybe I was 10. And I, I kind of swore off then, too. And, uh, and I threw up a lot. And that was one of the times when I threw up. Also, when I when I drank and I, I'd come home, I always had some kind of excuse for staying out. And I, I, I'd fix somebody's car and they'd give me 50 cents. And I always had the money, too, because I stole a lot. At a grocery store where the guy, he didn't know he didn't know how much money he had because he was robbing everybody else. And I thought it was legitimate to rob him because... He padded all these other people's bills. He left his cash drawer open so I could go in broke, order a pound of bologna for a dime, and while he's cut, and cut it thin, while he's out back cutting that, I would reach in his cash register, take a $5 bill out, and pay him with his own money. <clears throat> One of my other halves, I had a hard time breaking stealing, too, in addition to breaking alcoholism. I came to Alcoholics Anonymous because... I want to quit drinking. Not a lot of people do that. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Two weeks before I come down to College Anonymous, I went to the VA hospital and uh, checked in. And uh, I had trench mouth, scurvy, malnutrition, dehydration, TB. And God knows what else. I'm laying on a gurney in the hall, and I can hear the doctor talking to the intern. He said, that's the worst case of trench mouth I ever saw in a live body. And this guy is not going to live through the night. So I'm going to fill out his death certificate and sign it. And he's sticking around until he goes. And you put in the time when he dies. I'm listening to that. Well... Over 51 years later, here I am. I went to Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, the first night, after the meeting, Dr. Fay and a bunch of those other old-timers, you know, had six or seven years sober, uh, took me in the, in the office, and he's opening his little black bag, 
I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to give you a shot. I said, you're going to shit. You ain't giving me nothing. I come here to learn how not to drink. I don't know how many people did that or even wanted to. But I wanted to stop drinking. I tried to stop. I tried to stop and stop and stop. I got tired of stopping. So I gave it up. My last drunk was delivered. I drank somewhere in the neighborhood of eight or eight and a half months. Somewhere in January, I started drinking. It was a very cold winter. I took a lot of Benzedrine, so I didn't sleep. I lived in a in a in a uh, mobile home. I had a, a thirty nine Chrysler. Built like a tank. So I, I deliberately wrecked people that cut me off in traffic. Because I knew they drove around all day long looking for me. And the best advice I can give you is don't take nothing personal. Don't ever take nothing personal because it's not personal. They'd have done it to anybody who was there. Anyway, uh, I'm back to my 39 Chrysler. I'm jumping around a little bit. Because how, how in the hell do you squeeze 76 years into it? You said I could talk till the next speaker comes on at 3 o'clock. <laughs> or 12, what'd you say? Oh, there's my bell ringer. Bong. Okay. Um, I love that Chrysler. Sometime during that summer, I bought I bought two boxes of shrimp, put them in the trunk, and forgot to go fishing. I mean, that was bad. It was it would it would melt the hair right out of your nose. I had people drive ride with me in that car. I actually chauffeured people around. It was one of one of the ways I made money. I, I remember Harry the Hat. Harry used to come around about every two weeks, and he loved to ride and go to different bars, and I would drive him around from bar to bar. He bought me drinks all the time we were going, and then he would give me a dollar or two when we got finished. When I got, after I got sober, I never saw Harry again. So maybe he was a figment. Uh, I, I had a lot of those, a lot of figments. Anyway, uh, I'd leave the saloon at uh, like three o'clock in the morning, get a bottle of coke, coke, coke full of whiskey, and uh, and a couple quarts of beer if I can afford it. Usually, I had money because I was doing this kind of stuff with my car. And uh, then I go down and sit in the car, and I, I knew somebody was after me real bad. And I was very paranoid, so I would lock the doors. And roll the windows down just a little bit. It wasn't enough to let all that crap out of there. It, it was still ugly, and uh, so it wouldn't get me. I didn't. I didn't think the devil could squeeze through that window about that wide, or whoever that was that was after me. Ah, shit. <laughs> I got so many anecdotes I'd like to throw out there, but I, I, what I want you to do is, is know that how sick I was when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I haven't had a drink. Now, I had hallucinations for the first three years. I didn't sleep for the first three years. I could not sleep. I would I would doze off a little bit, and then I would shake myself awake, and, and adrenaline would pump, and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I read a lot of cowboy books and and uh, science fiction books and, and uh, books on witches and warlocks. Well, I wanted to be one. Now I am, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I can walk on water. It's just an unnecessary display. <laughs> Where the hell was I? <laughs> uh, oh no, no. <laughs> oh, I want you to know I'm a humble person. Don't laugh. I don't think I'm humble. I know it. If you think you're humble, you're not. I'm humble with God. I know where it comes from. And I can't be humble with an alcoholic. Because they'll take it for a weakness and you'll have to kill them. 
You talking again when I'm talking? Gee. You want to get smacked again? <laughs> I won't do that to him. Not in front of all these people. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> he wouldn't have got smacked if he hadn't shown his ass. Let's see. And trench mouth, scurvy, malnutrition, dehydration, TB, God knows what else. And I wouldn't accept the doctor's help. And I'll take care of it myself. That's on a that's on a on a th- uh, Wednesday night, Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday, Thursday. It's on Thursday night, September the eighteenth, nineteen fifty-two was a Thursday. Uh, now I keep coming back down Fox and Niners, but on Monday. I had to do something about this trench mouth because they wouldn't help me at the VA. And this doctor, I wouldn't let help me. So I went to Stan's drugstore in Norwood. And while Stan was busy at the at the cash register, I went into his refrigerator and stole a bottle of penicillin and cured myself. And I couldn't eat a solid meal when I first came out. It was about three weeks before I could eat anything solid after I come to the um, my my teeth were just hanging in my mouth. My gums were all gone. I still got some of my own teeth. I'll show you later. <laughs> she don't like that. That's um. What the hell? That, uh, this is my story. God's messy. If I get sober, anybody can. Also, I spent I spent a day with, with Bill Lafayette this week. He's got 55 years sober. He's a real bastard. He's got no kidding, man. If he could stay sober, anybody can. And I I forgot to do that thing coming up front, didn't I? By the grace of God, Alcoholics Anonymous, and a lot of dead sponsors. I'm sober. But he wants to be my sponsor. He would love to be my sponsor. But I ain't letting him. Actually, I go around and tell people I'm his sponsor, which pisses him off. That's one of my duties, piss off alcoholics. Aggravate, harass, and badger into sobriety. God, it's been a wonderful trip, really, in spite of everything, in spite of me. Uh, I'm sober about six months, and uh, I had a friend I worked with at the gas and electric company, and he, I drank with him. So I decided to go get him and sober him up. So I went and got Baron. His name was Baron Couch. And I brought him to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I took him through the beginner's classes. He stayed sober about five weeks and got drunk. Upset me. I went and got him again, brought him back to Alcoholics Anonymous, took him back through the beginner's classes. He stayed sober six or seven weeks and got drunk. Now I'm getting incensed. I went and got him again, brought him back to Alcoholics Anonymous. Took him back through the beginner's classes. Stayed sober seven or eight weeks and got drunk. Damn. So I went and got him again. Five times I went and got him. The sixth time his wife called me on the phone and said he's drunk. I said, don't tell him. I'll be there in a little bit. So I went to his house, drug his ass out of bed, beat the piss out of him, threw him back in bed, and I told her, if he get up, if he gets up, except to urinate or eat, call me and I'll come back and kill him. <laughs> I was gonna make him get sober or else. He committed suicide in a bed full of beer cans. He turned the gas on. He really wanted to quit. Constitutionally incapable, I guess. I don't know what that means, but he really really wanted to quit. And I got that message. And I'm still sober. 
I did a lot of stupid things in Alcoholics Anonymous. I did a lot of things to embarrass myself. Um, one night, I'm sober, I guess, three or four months, something like that. And I can't sleep. And I've read all the cowboy books. I've read all the other science fiction and warlock books. And I glanced through Alcoholics Anonymous. I couldn't read it. That was, uh, I couldn't. I never. I never got to the stories because I got stuck in the front there, and they told me it was a textbook, and I'm trying to read it and get something out of it. And my attention span was nil. If you didn't tell me a story, I'm, I, I should have got to the back, but I didn't. Anyway, I opened the book up to the steps, and I thought, here's a, here's an opportunity for me to do something constructive for Alcoholics Anonymous. I will rewrite the steps. <laughs> so I did. It took a while. So now we're up to about 3 o'clock in the morning, 3.30, 4 o'clock, something like that. But I still got time. I did a good job on those. I read them over and over. I said, wow, man, this is fantastic. I got to do this. I got to tell somebody about this. Anyway, I did such a good job on the 12 steps, I rewrote the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> no ego here, man. Now I gotta tell somebody. So I went to Oak Street. I went in at nine o'clock. And there weren't enough people. I need an audience for this, this stuff, man, because this is fantastic. I need, I need a whole group of people. And they're slowly coming in. They're drifting in one at a time. I'm up to eleven, eleven thirty. And, and, uh, now there's enough people in there. About fifteen people sitting in the side room. And I went and stood in the doorway. And I said, guess what I did last night? They ignored me. So I did it louder. I said, hey, guess what I did last night? Well, somebody said, what'd you do? I said, I rewrote the steps. Oh, man, they don't want to hear it. They wouldn't let me tell them. They're, they're okay just like they are, you know, bullshit. I didn't even tell them about the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> But I left the drink at him. That morning I got up and I said, God, help me through this day not to drink. And I didn't drink. I bar hopped all day. I really wanted to drink at him. Damn him. And I wish I'd have kept that. I don't know what happened to this. Because I think they're probably still good. <laughs> See, I did a lot of stupid things in Alcoholics Anonymous. I wasn't even embarrassed. <coughs> now, I had a, a little problem in meetings because they all talked about me all the time. They didn't have nothing better to do but discuss me. Well, actually, everybody in the entire world talked about me. Now, I'm in a meeting. I'm in the back of the room, and I'm looking up front. And they're leaning over and talking to each other, saying, what's he doing back there? He's too young to be an alcoholic. I spilled more on my tie than he drank. Bullshit like that. Man, it just went on and on and on. It driving me nuts. And they all had an eye on the back of their head. And they would open it up and stare at me. Now, when I'm looking over here trying to catch it, they were doing it over here. Turn real quick to catch it. And I could hear their hair slam shut. <laughs> it's real easy for me to get sober. <laughs> One Sunday afternoon, well, we only let women women chair meetings on Sunday, and we only let them speak on Sunday. They weren't allowed to get the podium on during the week. It's a man's club, man. Actually, I, I was Irish, Catholic, Democrat, white male, and a Pisces. Crazier than a bed bug. Uh, anyway, one Sunday afternoon, I can't stand it any longer. They, they've done it to me too long. So I get up and I run up front. We had a ch female chairperson, Lulu. I've never seen her since. And I stood alongside the uh, podium, 
said, all right, you old bastards, I'll tell you what we do. We go out to the nearest saloon, and I'll buy the drinks. When one falls on his ass, another one takes his place. When you're all laying down there, I'll still be standing there drinking. Don't tell me I'm not an alcoholic. I really wanted to be an alcoholic. At four syllables. Effing drunk only has three. Oh, you'll get that in a minute. I'm not allowed to use the word. My wife won't let me. She said, you really don't have to give a lead. All you got to do is get up there. So I've been sober 51 years. And we'll just have an hour of meditation. <laughs> you all don't know how to do that. Uh, count backwards from 100. And if you mess up, you got to start over. Okay. I had these hallucinations. They were, they were, they were real to me. Just as solid as this. I knew it was happening. Uh, I had another one. I, I took my sister to, to uh, with me to give a lead at Oak Street. And uh, after the lead, I'm still driving at 39 Chrysler. Uh, we get in the car, and we start back home. And uh, we get on turn at turn the corner of uh, Woodburn and Madison Road. Now, I knew that my father-in-law had hired somebody to kill me and he only paid him $250. And I thought it was worth more than that. But anyway, I had to look out for them all the time. As we turned a corner, blinding headlights came up in my rear vision mirror. And that's them. They're following me. And they're going to shoot at us, so i got to figure out what to do. When they get it, when they come up to pass me, I'll grab my wife's, uh, my sister's head and shove it down so they, so they don't shoot her. So the car come up, went to go around me, and I grabbed my sister's head and shoved it down and leaned over so they shoot, shoot over her head. And she said, what the hell's the matter with you? I said, you didn't see that? I said, that's them guys are going to kill me. You see them blinding headlights in my rear vision mirror. She said, we haven't passed a car either way. <laughs> real to me. One night when my car was laid up, getting fixed. Oh, by the way, that car, two finance companies were hunting. Uh, one for the engine and, and one for the car. Uh, I parked it behind the saloon so they couldn't find it. Anyway... Uh, my car's laid up, and something's getting wrong with it, and I take a streetcar. Oh, you don't even remember those. Uh, anyway, I take a streetcar. I had transferred People's Corner and went to the meeting, come back, get on a streetcar. When I get on a streetcar after the meeting, uh, I went to the back, so everybody's back is to me. And they're doing that stuff with their eye in the back of their head. And they're staring at the hole in my sock through my shoe. I jumped up and said, stare, damn you. They didn't even know I was on a bus, on a streetcar. It's, it's a meeting at Alcoholics Anonymous when I came up front. They didn't know I was in the room. And I didn't know that until after I'd opened my mouth and embarrassed myself. Now, I had another one. You can make a decision on this if you want. I, 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 I know what it is, but you'll have to decide yourself whether this is real or not. They told me to kneel down alongside of my bed and ask God to help me through this day not to drink. And I did that. And something happened. I had a strange thing happen to me. It's like, I lit up all over, outside, inside. It was it was fantastic. It was wonderful. Now you have to remember how sick I was. I weighed less than a hundred pounds when I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, so there wasn't a hell of a lot left to me, physically, mentally, spiritually, morally. I was gone, man. Just just on the edge. A little push would have pushed sent me over the edge. 
And it lasted for about six months. Every time I knelt down, I used to test it now and then. I'd go in the restroom and kneel down. Boom! Got it. One day it stopped. Scared the hell out of me. I thought, God's left me now. I thought, he, he don't care no more. So I went to a, a church. I thought I'd talk to a man of the cloth. They ought to know something about this. And I, I walk around the rectory, and I ring the bell, and I knock on the door, and there's nobody there. Finally, on, a, on about the third trip around, I look down in a, in a basement area, and there's a man of the cloth down there counting candles. So, thank God. I run down the steps, and I say, am I glad to see you? I said, I got this problem. He said, I can't talk to you right now. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, doing an inventory on candles. What? I said, I'm a lot more important than your damn candles. I got a problem here, and I need it solved. I need you to do He said, I'm counting these candles. I told you I'm doing an inventory on these candles. So I turned his table upside down. He could start counting candles over and called him bad names. Now, I've still got this problem. It's not happening anymore. I can do it today. Anyway... I uh, went to Oak Street, and there's a guy I never saw before sitting up against the wall inside the inside of the little alcove we had there. And I sat down across from him, and I explained this thing to him. He said, well, I ain't no big deal. He said, you don't need it anymore. You're sober. Work for me. Fine. Wonderful. And that's I let it go at that. But like I say, now I can do it. I can do it on purpose now. When I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was absolutely, absolutely terrified. Even more terrified that you'd find out I was terrified. And you got to hide that. So you talk bad. And you stay angry. That's why nobody sponsored me. I, I did get a sponsor. Uh, the guy I talked to, they called, they called the Alcoholics Anonymous from a saloon on me. And I... Uh, I talked to this guy on the phone. Later, he'd become my sponsor. I didn't know that he drank homebrew at my house, but he, he was a pretty good sponsor if I could have talked to him. Uh, I pinned him in a corner by his shirt and tie, and I said, they told me i got to get a sponsor. Nobody else will do it. You're it. So, reluctantly, he agreed to be my sponsor, and then he ran every time he saw me after that. <laughs> but I, everybody at Oak Street sponsored me. They were all old, you know, 35, 36 years old, old bastards. So over five, six, seven years, know everything. And they didn't let me up for air. They were all stuff that I could brag about, like I was going to whip somebody or cut somebody or kill somebody in traffic or something like that. And I'd start bragging about it, and they'd stop me. they said, you don't know how to ang- handle anger. You're not qualified. And you're going to have to go apologize. Every time I did something stupid, bad, or like that, they jumped all over me. And I I did what they told me, because I didn't know any different. I didn't know any better. I didn't have that wonderful experience you have when you, uh, you're 15 years old, or 16 years old, or 22 years old. And, uh, your, your mind's all screwed up, and you take a drink, and everything straightens out. I was always there drunk, so I didn't know the difference until I come to Alcoholics Anonymous. Man, I love this program. Absolutely fantastic. If, I don't know how to how to give this to you. If you just get into Alcoholics Anonymous and do everything that you're told to do, you find a wonderful life. It's amazing. It's astounding. I'm going to tell you about my last drink now. It's about somewhere between 11.30 and 12 o'clock, September the 18th, 1952. One of the guys I drove around, he washed dishes for a living, uh, bought me my last double shot and a beer chaser. Beer chasers were free. Double shot was 15 cents. I can't afford to drink today. Anyway, uh, 
I told the guy on the phone the night before that I would come to Alcoholics Anonymous the next day. Now, I knew all about Alcoholics Anonymous. I knew everything there was to know about Alcoholics Anonymous. But I didn't know I knew. I sold Liberty Magazine when I was a kid. And I used to read the story over and over and over about Alcoholics Anonymous. Reader's Digest, all those. In 1948, it came out in the newspaper in the comic strips. Captain Easy washed up. They took this guy through the through the twelve steps and they did all this thing. I it didn't it didn't come out on Sunday, so I had to wait till Monday after Saturday to find out what happened to this guy over the weekend. And it went on and on and on. He, and then he got drunk after a year. They went and got him and took him back to Alcoholics Anonymous and running back through the steps again. And I just couldn't wait to hear, to look at that and see it, feel it. But I I forgot. Matter of fact. I'm sober 25 years, and I thought it was a dream. So my wife and I went to the library and looked it up. Damn, it's there. It's there. I had one of those in my pocket, but I guess I guess I left it somewhere. I'll give 10 leads in the last two and a half months, and I'm tired of listening to me. <laughs> anyway, damn, that went nice. It's about 11.30 to 12 o'clock. I've been drinking continuously all night long. Of course, I drank continuously all the time. Uh, and I've got this drink that was just purchased for me. Now, I got, I'm filled up to here. I have had a lot to drink that night. I drank all the time anyway, but this time I know it's, this is the last time I'm ever going to get drunk, and i got to make up for whatever I'm not going to get again. I don't know why that kind of thought went through my head. Probably because I'm an alcoholic. And uh, I got this drink. And uh, I take a drag off my cigarette. And then I take this drink up. <laughs> Spit it back in the glass. I never wasted any. I'd probably drink yours if you puked in it. Now, this is what I'm telling myself and the bartender. This is the last drink I'm ever going to drink. And I am going to drink. So, I put a little salt on the back of my hand, smoke another cigarette, take a sip out of that beer, stare at that glass, finally take it again. Took it up here. Now it's got green stuff in it. <laughs> little bile never hurt anybody. Three rocks of protein. That's, it's tough to drink that, man. I'm going to put it down. It's going down, but I don't know how. i got to think about it. I smoke another cigarette, put more salt on the back of my hand, drink another little bit of beer, and stare at it. I thought... If I if I swallow it real fast and grab my throat and hold it, I can keep it down. So. I don't know how long I stayed like that. I don't know it turned blue. That's my last drink. If it's gonna be that much trouble to drink, I ain't doing it again. That's not true, because I had trouble drinking before. I know what a dilemma is. A dilemma is when you've taken so much speed, you can't pass out or go to sleep. And you've drank so much, you can't move. And you can see your bottle, but you can't get to it. And it goes on and 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 on. You know it's going to be forever. I wish I could give you what I got. I wish I could just take a magic wand. I had a magic wand once that I did that. I had a, a guy sponsor. I tapped him when he got sober and stayed away. But on the next guy, I broke it. <laughs> Shut up, Nick. 
I'd like to tell you, I sponsor some real strange people. I started out like that. Some real weirdos. They're all psychopaths. He knows, he knows. He's sociopath, too. I must be a little like that. Or I wouldn't, they wouldn't be attracted to me. Since he, since he giggled, I'm gonna tell, I'll tell some money. He fired me twice. But there any, anybody else as, as uh, crazy as I am, they had to come back. The first time he fired me, we were in a restaurant, you know, eating ice cream or something, I don't know. And he said, I don't think I need you as a sponsor anymore. But I'd already sponsored him for several years, so I said, too late. I'm so deep in your head, you'll never get rid of me. <laughs> Don't taste bad. What, what time is it? 10.30? I've been talking that long? Wow. When I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I had some, I had some mental problems. Uh, I had, uh, I, had uh, I had some things fixed in me that were really, really strong. I was Irish Catholic, Democrat, white, male, and a Pisces. Now, if you weren't all of those, there was something definitely wrong with you. You didn't fit into my life. And most of those I got, I took care of after, after a while. The, the one I had the most trouble with was, was women. I, they were all stupid. Now, I, I don't think that way today. Believe me. Take ladies, ladies, I really don't think that way today. I'm sober 10 years. I'm talking to myself. Oh, I still have a committee. Um, but mine's a comedy team. They're there for my amusement. Uh, anyway, I'm talking to myself. Well, actually, my, 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 uh, committee doesn't let me into the conversation. Uh, anyway, I'm talking to myself. I said, you've been sober 10 years and you got this problem with women. You think they're all stupid. I wouldn't listen to a female lead. I would leave. So I talked myself into staying Sunday afternoon. It's the only time I let women speak. And uh, there's a woman speaker. And she come in with a Big notebook full of stuff. I mean, it was big. And she reads from that in a monotone and proved every damn thing I ever thought about women. I didn't go back to a female lead for the next 15 years. Then I got divorced and started sponsoring women. You can do that if you don't have a motive. I didn't have any motive. I've become celibate. Anyway, I'm sponsoring this girl, and she's going to they have a, uh, there's a meeting in, in on Drake Road where they have two speakers. They had two speakers. They don't do it anymore. Had two speakers, and uh, she's speaking, the second speaker, and I, I go out. I'm going to have to listen to her. But the female that talked before her, I cried all the way through her lead, and I've been kicking my ass ever since. For the Because I could have learned a lot more from women than I ever learned from you bastards. <laughs> About emotions. I learned how to stay sober. I can't just give it to you, but if you do what I did, I'm going to tell you about this, this one more thing here. Uh, on the day that I stole the penicillin, I'm back at Oak Street. And whoever was behind the counter, some guy, I don't know who he was, phone rings and he picks up the phone and he's writing some stuff on a piece of paper. And he turned around and handed it to me and said, here, make this 12-step call. I said, huh? He said, make this 12-step call. What are we talking about? I just got here Thursday. He said, did you read the steps? I said, yeah. He said, well, you know more about this poor bastard, does Go make it. So I made a 12-step call. And then for the next 15 years, I made a thousands of 12-step calls. Some goofy ones, too. 
Always take somebody with you. Don't go by yourself. I made one on a major in the Air Force at, uh, in Wright Patterson. I didn't know he'd already shot at his family. He's laying on the floor with a rifle pointed at the door when I walk in. And I went sober long enough not to be stupid. I walked over and kicked it out of his hand. Called him bad names. Took his whiskey away. I don't know if he ever got sober. But he didn't shoot at me. I've rambled now. This not, it's not, like I said, it's hard to put 76 years or 51 years of sobriety into a short period of time. So I have to come back 10 years in a row so you can get it all. <laughs> now, thanks for inviting me. I love being here and I love being an Alcoholics Anonymous. And I hope I didn't embarrass all these famous speakers that are here. Uh, I actually, I don't think about speaking before I do. And I woke up sometime in the middle of the night giving a lead. <laughs> what the hell is this? It's because I wanted to live up to their expectations. And really, I don't care what you think about me. I cared a lot when I first came to AA. But now I don't. And I'll prove that to you. Look at that. I got a fang. I really don't care. And I'm not afraid to die. I have no fear of death at all. Looking forward to it. Of course, I don't want it to happen for another 25 or 30 years. I'd like, I'd like to set a sobriety record for the oldest man ever that nobody will catch up with in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm going to stop. I love you all, and there ain't nothing you can do about that. <laughs>